Thank you, Jinha, and um, happy Sabbath, everyone. It's great to be here. Uh, I do actually have another child as well. I've got an eight-month-old son called Lucas. So, we've, well, our family is growing, um, and uh, again, yeah, part of the family ministries team up at the conference. So I'm glad to be here, and um, yeah, one Turner Church, if you've ever been there, I'm working with Yongshin, uh, who some people know as well. We call him Yoshi. Nobody likes to call him Yongshin. Um, but he's really great uh, friend as well as a pastor. Now, I just realized that I want to preach down here and set up there, and I've got my iPad, so I'm just going to bring it down, and then we can start our, our service for today. Give me a sec. All right, great. So my message is entitled The Black Dot. And uh, before we start, we're going to invite the Lord in prayer. So I invite you to bow your heads as we uh, start this service today. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your Sabbath. We want to thank you for the time that we can spend together. And we just want to thank you for Melbourne City Church. We just pray that whatever short time I have today with, um, with us, we just pray that your spirit will be here and that I will not be speaking, that it will not be my words, but it will be your words speaking through me. I just pray these things in your name. Amen. Now, I have to confess, this is the first time I've ever preached at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And um, I have to say I really like it because I got, I got to sleep in today. At one Turner, you have to be there at 9 o'clock. And so I'm usually awake at about 5.30, getting the kids ready and then going there and making sure everything's all sorted. So it was nice to get to 10 o'clock and not have to stress. So I just want to thank you so much. Um, I used to be a pastor at Bales Church, which is a country church all the way on the other end, and we actually flipped the services just for that purpose so that we could have a bit of time to get the kids there. And we started our service at 11 and then kind of did the whole flip into the Sabbath school afterwards. So it does really work. Sounds like it works for you guys too. So I just want to thank you so much for letting me do that. I love this time. Now, today is just a really quick message called The Black Dot. And it is a positive message. But I just want to preface that the first 10 minutes might seem a bit doom and gloom, but it does get better, I promise. I'm going to do a bit of review of 2022. Now, put your hand up if you think 2022 has been a positive year. All right, one, two, two people. Great. Did you recently just get married? <laughs> uh, engaged. Yes. Okay. Those personal milestones tend to make things a lot better, that's for sure. I'm going to take you through a bit of a journey of this year. I do apologize if it brings some bad feelings. Obviously, we've had the Russian-Ukraine war. It's still raging. Things are happening. Uh, it is really full on. Now, we're up to six months. So it's been going on for quite a long time. You probably don't see it in the media very often because we have something called war fatigue where we don't really want to see it so much, and so we've kind of forgotten about it. But at the moment, I just had a look today. Five million people have left Ukraine since the war started. Now, five million people is a lot of people. That's a population of Queensland. So if you can imagine Queensland just leaving the country, right? that will be a big hole to fill. Not only that, but they have found that there are 10,000 civilian deaths. That's not military, just civilians. Quite a lot of deaths happening. But the thing with us in Australia is that we have something a little bit more to worry about in the next couple of months slash years. I don't know if you've been keeping up with this, but the tensions with China 
have been building. And of course, with Taiwan, you know, in our Pacific region per se, um, there are a lot of things as Australians we probably have thought about. Uh, probably we, we here in Australia are very lucky, but maybe sometimes that luck can run out. And so it may seem like in the media this, this narrative is being pushed quite a lot. Now, I'm originally from New Zealand, and in New Zealand, nobody comes there to invade. Nobody, even, half the people don't even know New Zealand exists. You have a look at maps, and half of the maps actually take New Zealand out of the, the maps. It's really sad. And so, as a Kiwi, I don't really worry about war too much. We're all about peace and love. But the last year, I have really had to grapple with a lot of things that have been happening in the world. But that's not it. Afghanistan. Someone we don't hear much at all. But let me tell you some startling things. Since the Taliban took over, or Taliban, there is a global watch list that actually tells you, um, out of 170 countries in the world, who has the best freedoms for women and who has the least. Afghanistan comes 170 out of 170. It's actually the last in the world now. They almost have no freedoms and no rights. Things have changed a lot. They say that at the end of this year, seven, oh, sorry, 97% of the country will be in poverty. That is a, a really bad stat. And they're also expecting that 90% of the health clinics in Afghanistan are about to close this year. I'm not going to go into this. You've probably heard sermons about COVID. But let me tell you something. I love stats. There have been 13,000 deaths in Australia due to COVID. Do you know how many deaths this year? Anyone give me a guess? Just this year. 10,000. Right? Now, the year hasn't finished yet. We're only in August. And we've had more deaths this year than we've had the last two years combined but it's something we don't necessarily talk about very often. Here's another one. In Victoria, just down the road from where I live in Mitcham, there's a hospital, Box Hill, and you may have seen it in the news. Maritza and I, Maritza is my wife, uh, we had our our baby boy there just a few months ago, and um, they had someone who had a stroke this week, and she had to wait in a tent outside the hospital for six hours to find a bed after she had a stroke. So um, the Victorian health crisis is getting almost quite ridiculous at this point. The economy, again, some of these things I'm just going to brush over because I don't have to go into detail. We know the state of the economy. In fact, I want to share with you this picture here. Who's ever paid $12 for, for lettuce? Anyone? Yeah? This was in Melbourne, by the way. All right? Now, I think it's gone down to about 7 or $8.00. Maybe some, somewhere you'd find three or four in Coles We Are. It's about four bucks. But if you just take a, a step back for a second and just take all of that in and realize it's only August, there's a lot more months to play in this year. It's kind of hard sometimes to feel positive about not only yourself, but about the world that you live in, right? It's really tough, especially if you turn on the news or just go on Facebook and you just get bombarded with so many negativity, so much negative things in the world. How do you possibly think positively? How can you possibly feel like there is hope? Just looking at some of this. I mean, who really thought that 2022 would actually be worse than 2020 and 2021? 
I don't think most people would actually have hope in the next couple of years after what we have experienced this year. Now, here's the hard part. You have a a, a comparison between what we just talked about and this piece of Scripture in Philippians 4, which is actually one of my favorite pieces of Scripture. Have a read of this. Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. If you were walking into Afghanistan or the Ukraine today, would you quote this scripture to people living in that country right now? Would you tell them that they just need to rejoice? That they just need to find joy in the Lord? that they just need to be happy and everything is okay, just trust in him? Would that be the first verse that you would tell someone there who's struggling right now? Maybe not. And I would probably advise against it. Because sometimes when we read this verse, we go, okay, that's great to hear God, but not now. Not not what I'm going through, not what I'm struggling with. Thankfully, God has given us some practical advice. And we're going to have a look at that really quickly today. These are the three things I'm just going to cover very quickly for us. And of course, with with time that can run away from me very quickly when I preach, I'll make sure I'd be brief as I can. Be anxious for nothing. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, and peace will guard your hearts and minds. These are the three pillars of Philippians 4. But let me start with a story. Um, I know a lot of us may have post-traumatic stress when I talk about pop surprise tests in high school. Did anyone actually love doing those surprise tests when they turned up to class? And the teacher said, we're going to do a quick test. I saw someone put their hand up. (laughs) One person. I didn't really like tests that you couldn't prepare for. I had to prepare. This particular teacher had kids come into the class and she did exactly that. She said, kids, we're going to have a pop quiz. I'm going to ask you to do something really simple. You have 15 minutes to do that. I'm going to give you a piece of paper. And I want you to write everything that you see on the piece of paper in as much detail as you can. You have 15 minutes. This is what was on the piece of paper. Now, I want you to put yourself in their shoes. You have 15 minutes to talk about what you see. What would you say? What would be some of the things that you would write in an academic sense, at a school, knowing that you're going to get graded on what you say? The teacher came back with all sorts of different things. A lot of people like to talk about the position of the dot. A lot of people like to talk about the circumference. There were a few people who talked about the existential crisis that the black dot represents, you know, in the Bible and and prophecy and scripture and signs. But what the teacher found is that nobody actually talked about the white part. Everyone talked about the black dot. When the teacher brought everything in, everyone was trying to describe what the black dot was saying for 15 minutes and no one even looked at 95% of the rest of the piece of paper, which was white. Now, we tend to do this as humans. We're very natural at doing this, focusing on the negative. In fact, psychologically, that's kind of what we do. That's how we're built, unfortunately. We like to focus on the black dot, 
And so when you see in Philippians, the first part, and it says, don't worry about anything, just relax. It's usually not helpful if you just start off with that. So how do you not worry about anything? How do you actually get to that point where you can say, I find peace in all circumstances? Now, I ask my wife for permission. I always do whenever I mention her in my sermons. I'm pretty sure Roy and Jinha would have that communication too. Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> hey, that'll be interesting sermons then. Um, <laughs> we've been married for six years. And it didn't take us very long um, to find out that we had very different conflict styles. We had different ways of talking to each other when things went kind of south. And you had to talk about it together. Now, I am what they call a, a laissez-faire type of guy. So I'm the type of guy who just kind of stands back. Some psychologists like to call it an avoidant conflict style. I'm not a fan of, like, engaging. My wife, on the other hand, um, she's from South America. She's Chilean. And so she loves to engage, especially when things get, you know, really uh, fiery. And so you can imagine when we have some kind of conflicts, and every marriage does, there are different ways of doing things. And the one thing that I found that I was saying a lot, and maybe those who are uh, like my wife will probably feel her pain as I say this. Every time we have a conflict, I always tell her, why can't you just chill, babe? Right? Now, is there anyone who does that (laughs) here? I can see a few couples. I know that there's usually one person who's just like, why don't you just relax? Like, why, why do you have to be so full on? And there's always the other one who's kind of just wants to get into it and just doesn't understand why you just don't want to engage. In other words, I kind of tell her, I say, why are you worried about these things? Why don't you just chill? Now, do you think that me saying that would make her more relaxed? No, right? And we found that out really quickly in our marriage. And I've had to kind of catch myself every time I say that. And when I read this in Philippians, especially if I'm going through something really hard, I kind of see it that way from Maritz's perspective. I go, I see Paul saying, don't worry about anything. And I go, Paul, really? But when you look at the context of what he's saying and where he's saying it, you realize that he's not actually having the most relaxed life himself. In fact, the whole letter to the church of Philippi, the the Philippians rather, was all written while he was in jail. And so you start to see a bit of context that Paul, who probably should have all of the ability to say negative things, actually says this particular part of Scripture while he's chained up in jail. In fact, he even mentions other things like rejoice, rejoice always, and again I say rejoice from jail. So it kind of makes you understand Paul and listen to him a little bit. He's not coming from a place of, I know best. He's actually coming from a place that he himself is going through a hard time. In fact, the word that's used, worry, is this word, meram, I can't say it properly, I'll try, meram now. It's Greek, and of course it means to worry about, but there is more to it. It actually means more to be anxious. If you go further... It says, to not be afraid of possible danger or misfortune. And here's one. To think earnestly with cumbersome thoughts. I don't know about you, but have you ever felt like what's on your mind actually weighs you down, quite physically? Have you ever woken up in the morning and kind of felt really heavy, like you just couldn't start the day? That's what anxiety feels like. 
It's like a cumbersome feeling. And it's by no surprise that this anxiety is actually building um, past COVID. We're kind of seeing the, 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 the ramifications of lockdowns for two years. And this, actually, this study that I'm about to show you happened before COVID start. I want to show you something that might be a bit startling, but it's, it makes you think. We think about 12 to 60,000 times a day. And they're individual, different thoughts. So throughout the day, these are thoughts that include, like, what am I going to wear? What am I going to have for breakfast? Am I going to turn left or right at the, at the traffic lights? But they also go as far as someone's told me something, should I take it as a negative or a positive? Somebody has said this, how do I react? Somebody is engaging me, do I come back and fight back or do I relax? How do I fight these feelings of anxiety? Now, that's a lot of thoughts to fight, but here's the, here's the bad part. They found in the study that 80% of those thoughts are negative and 95% of those thoughts are repetitive. So in other words, if you are like an average person, you don't even have to be a positive Christian, I'm just saying the average person, you are thinking 80% negative throughout the day. And those thoughts are becoming repetitive and are starting to form what they call strongholds in your mind. It's very hard to break away from this pattern. And you can kind of understand how hard it is to overcome something like anxiety, especially in a world that we live in today. But there is an answer, thankfully. In Luke 12, you've probably seen this one before. It starts off like this. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be um, concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything that you need. Now, I could easily just step back and say, sermon is done. God has spoken. There's your answer. And really, if you kind of put this into a nutshell, you realize that God is doing this. If you have anxiety, if you have problems of trying to let go of these negative thoughts, the Bible says, focus on God. Don't focus on yourself. Because if you focus on yourself, more and more negativity will come. But trust in God. And the thing is, if you struggle with anxiety or if you struggle with these these negative thoughts, then there's actually a connection between how you view God in your life. Do you actually believe that God has the power to change your life? Do you think God has the power to actually take you out of where you are? If not, then that may show in how you feel day to day. Don't focus on the black dot. God says focus on me. But what does that mean practically? Practically, sorry. With prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Prayer is super important. And again, this is very kind of basic 
ideas, we know this, but the idea of asking and thanking God in prayer actually helps you have a better picture of who he is. Stop for a second and think about your prayer life and ask yourself, does my prayer life reflect my relationship with God? Some days we may feel like you might come home and you have a burden on your back. You've got this kind of feeling of cumbersome thoughts that you know you just feel like you can't survive. And some people, when they have these problems, they take them home and they take it out on their families. And this is where we get some of the problems that we have in families today. The beauty about prayer is that you can actually come to God at any time and you can offload that whole burden to him and you can actually say, Lord, I've got this huge elephant on my back, release me. Take it away. It's interesting how every religion has a form of prayer because talking to God actually forms the basis of your picture with God. And Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount. You've probably heard of the phrase, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. And that word pure is catharis, or in English it's cathartic. In other words, this idea of a, of a catheter, really, is something that empties the impure things. If you've been to hospital before, you know that a catheter takes away the impurities and wants to replace it with good things. This idea of being pure of heart doesn't necessarily mean to be innocent. In the Greek, it actually means to release of the impurities that you have inside yourself, the guilt, the shame, and the anger. It is hard to see God when you are burdened with so much negativity in your life. And I don't know about you, but the last three years have been a lot of burden for a lot of people. And as a church, as a Christian, as an Adventist church, there are a lot of people hurting out there. I know that you guys do your homeless um, soup kitchen. And you may, when you have your conversations with those people, see the burdens that they are carrying. We in Mitcham, down the road at the Woolies, we had a homeless person camp out at the front of Woolies at 7 o'clock at night. I think it was 4 degrees. And I sat down next to him. He had everything he needed. He had blankets upon blankets, and he had a sleeping bag. He had all the stuff. But he just wanted to have a chat. And so I just sat there, and I grabbed a um, milkshake, and we just started talking together. And he, at the end of that conversation, I didn't tell him I was a pastor because I knew that conversation would probably be cut short. He just wanted to know I was a normal person. And he just wanted to offload. He just wanted someone to talk to. And that's kind of like what we need to do with God. We just need to offload to him because he's the one that makes us pure. He's the one that allows us to be able to have that conversation with him. He says this, Blessed is our God who satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed. This idea of trying to be positive, you've probably heard it. People just say, why don't you just be positive and change your mindset? In psychology, it's kind of like a muscle that you have to work out. This idea of trying to not see the black dot, you saw how much you have to fight against to fight against those negative emotions. It's a real battle every single day. But the thing is, if you keep pushing that gratitude muscle, if you keep focusing on the white part of the paper and not the black dot, it actually becomes a lot easier. Over time, it becomes easier, just like working out at the gym. 
It just takes time. I keep looking at the time, so I'm going to bypass this story, but let me share with you very quickly what it is. There was two men in a hospital room, and one man had the window side, the, the darker man on the, on the closest to us, and the other guy had uh, no view at all. It was just the door. And so he wanted to know what the outside looked like, and so he kept asking the man, hey, can you tell me what's outside the window? And so the man at the window said, hey, there's a rainbow, there are kids playing, you know, just beautiful ideas of what was outside the hospital. And it was a few days later where the man next to the window died. And desperately, the guy who had never seen the window outside wanted to have his spot. And so the nurse came in and said, "Um, hey, do you need anything? And he said, I want to be moved to where the other guy was. I want to see out the window. And the nurse looked at him and said, there's no window. It's just just wall. And, And he was surprised because this man, and he was angry because he thought this man was lying to him that whole time, which he was. But what he did for this man was to paint a positive and beautiful picture of the circumstance that they were in so well that this man wanted to see what he saw. The story goes on and they realized that man was blind. He wasn't necessarily making it up just to be lying, but he couldn't see anything. He made the best that he could in the scenario that he had. And I want to share the story in more depth, but I keep looking at the time. But I just wanted to use this example to show you how important perspective is when it comes to our lives. Because we could easily just turn on the TV and the media and spend 90% of our time thinking about those first five slides I showed you. The wars, the economy, the hardships. There are so many things to be negative about. But there are so many good things as well. There are a lot of blessings that God gives to us. And if you just sit back and you start exercising that gratitude muscle, you'll realize that it becomes easier and easier. Again, I told you I'm from New Zealand, but I realized coming to Australia how lucky we are in this country. And so if you're struggling with finding any positivity at all in your life, I've got to tell you, we almost live in the most beautiful Strong, economic, safest country in the world. People all over the world fight and die just to get what we get on a daily basis. And so if we are able to just step back and realize and look around and see all of the blessings we have, and I totally understand that people have a lot of things going on at the moment. This is not me, as I say to my wife, just say, get over it, be happy. That's not what this is about. This is about me saying step back and realize that God has this world completely under control, even though it looks like the world is falling apart at the seams. And what will happen is that you will become a different person. You will be able to be transformed. Just like in the video that I'm going to show you just to end our sermon, just wanted to show it's a it's an advertisement, I think based in in Singapore or somewhere in, in Asia. And it, it's, it's amazing the type of advertisement it shows you about having gratitude and a different way of looking in life. So bear with me, and I hope that the sound works for this video. Oh.
ขาจะได้อะไรถ้าเขาทำแบบนี้ทุกวันชื่อเสียงที่มากขึ้นสิ่งที่เขาได้คือได้แค่ความรู้สึกได้เห็นความสุขได้เข้าใจได้ความรักในสิ่งที่เงินซื้อไม่ได้ได้โลกที่สวยงามกว่าเดิมในชีวิตคุณอะไรคือสิ่งที่คุณต้องการมากที่สุดไทยประกันชีวิตเชื่อในความดี Yeah, I don't know if whether you've seen that video before, but it kind of puts it in perspective a little bit. Um, notice that he was not rich; he was poor. He only had his dog, um, and yet he made the most out of his life. Wherever he went, he carried with himself some form of uh, good perspective. You know that life could be better, um, and he made his life a lot better for it. Let me end you with this, uh, Fanny Crosby. You may have recognised that name. Because she wrote a few good hymns, maybe you've heard of the hymn "Blessed Assurance," right? She wrote that. Let me just share with you a story about this, and then I'll end. On one occasion, a well-known clergyman said to her, "I think it is a great pity that the Master God, when He showered so many gifts upon you, did not give you sight." She was blind. Her instantaneous reply was. Do you know that if at birth I was able to make one petition to my Creator, it would have been that I should never have been born blind? The minister asked, "Why?" Sorry, it would have been that I should have been born blind. The minister asked, "Why?" And Miss Crosby said this, "Because when I get to heaven, the first face that I shall ever see and gladden my sight will be that of my Savior." And that type of perspective is a perspective that I want to have. Is that no matter what hardships I'm going through, 
In fact, I'm going through a lot of hardships right now. I don't even think you realize, but I have a really bad problem with my throat. And that every time I get up and I preach, I actually don't know whether I can get through the message at all. Um, I've been, I had two surgeries last year, and, um, and I still, sometimes halfway through my sermons, my throat just cuts out and dies. And I'll have to stop for about two or three minutes, have my water, got lozenges up here, and then carry on. And sometimes, one or two times, I haven't been able to finish. And I have really looked at myself and said, Lord, why on earth did you make me a minister? If you're just going to make things really hard for me, the one thing that I need to do is be able to talk. That's the one thing I need to be able to do well. And yet, I have these hardships. Every morning I wake up and I do the routine of trying to make sure my throat gets better. And I've gone through a lot of hardships trying to understand what God wanted for me in my life. But I've realized that all he wants is a willing vessel and someone who wants to do his will. That's all he needs. Whether you're a minister, whether you're somebody who's just working in an office, whether you're someone who you feel like you don't even have a good job, it doesn't matter where you are. God loves you. And he wants to give you all the blessings in the world. In fact, he may have done so already. He just wants you to step back and maybe stop focusing on the black dot for a second and realize that the rest of your life is full of white pieces of paper and blessings that he has given to you. So my challenge for you, Melbourne City, is to be able maybe to kind of see what God has done for you in your life. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, and if you have it really good right now, have a look at some other people around you during the soup kitchen that you do or the people around you because I guarantee you, you are someone, nine times out of ten, someone is going through something and maybe they all they need is a bit of good perspective, a bit of God in their life, maybe someone to talk to, and it might change their life forever. Let's have a prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I first want to thank you for getting me through this sermon today. Every day that I, I do a sermon without problems, I praise you, Lord, and I praise you when I do have problems. And I pray that we as a church can, can do the same, that we can realize that life sometimes isn't easy, but we know that when we have you in our life, things can change, perspectives can change. And maybe the bad things don't change, Lord, but we know that you are always there blessing and guiding us as your children. I want to pray that whatever we are going through here under this roof, may you come close to us, may your Holy Spirit encourage us and fill our hearts for what we need, Lord, is our prayer in your precious name. Amen.